0: It's easy to sit back on. There's a lot of people here. It doesn't th- Anyway, it's nice to see you all. It's very, uh, it's uh, just a privilege to be invited to come and share with you. Thank you, James, for inviting me. It's nice to see Gary. Uh, he and I spent some time together in South Africa a while back, uh, trouncing around Cape Town, which was uh, a beautiful thing. Great to see you and so many others whose faces I recognize. Um, I went to school here in, somewhere in the 90s. I can't even remember used to be called Ontario Bible College. And so the main thing I wanna teach you or say to you today is that not everything that you need to learn in terms of doing ministry in the world, you will learn here, you just won't. You won't learn it here. I learned a ton of stuff at Bible College. I went to school here, I got an undergrad, I went to Tyndale and got a master's degree. And I did learn a lot, but there are things that I, it just was impossible to anticipate that I would face in the streets. I moved here from small town Newfoundland. Anybody here from Newfoundland? Yes, 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 yes. Probably Pentecostals? Yeah, that's, that's right, yeah. Yeah, there's always Pentecostals everywhere. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's cool to see you from Newfoundland. I, I'm from Springdale, and I think there's somebody, at least somebody from Kings Point, if I'm not. Yeah, like, yeah, so uh, we, know, we know each other. We know people that know each other, yeah. Uh, one of the things that I wasn't taught at Baba College was that when I went to the streets, I actually went to save people. I grew up Salvation Army. I went there thinking I was going to save these poor, unfortunate souls. Uh, you know, they were going to be the recipients of my awesomeness. That's what I thought as a 20-year-old Christian boy. But when I got there, I was the cook. I was cooking uh, what I called Newfie specials. Uh, you know, thick bologna sandwiches and macaroni and cheese, craft dinner. That was my specialty. And here I was working in this drop-in center for the Salvation Army. Um, I, I, I had grew my hair long, at that point. I had long hair and earrings because my whole goal was to be a rock star, uh, the play in bands. And uh, that didn't quite pan out for me. My hair fell out and uh, all that good stuff. But so, and, and so as I was trying to make a living in the rock business world, Ken would know something about this, We played in some bands together or played some concerts together for sure. Uh, I I had to get a real job. And so in that place where I was working in the drop-in center, thought thought I was coming to save people, I learned something very important that I carry with me to this day. Even though I came to save people, I was the one that was being saved. I I thought I could bring Jesus with me into dark alleys. Uh, Back then, people could live on the streets a little bit more easily, underground parking lots or places where we would spend lots of time playing cards at two o'clock in the morning with people who lived underground. I thought I could bring Jesus with me there, but I learned that Jesus was already there. And I got to meet him there in ways that I did not get to meet Jesus in the seminaries or the churches that I grew up in. I, uh, along the way, have uh, sort of done lots of consulting with shelters and built a shelter and done lots of drop-in work Another thing that I learned, I've learned so much from my friends on the streets. The the people, the blessing, the privilege that it is to to befriend people who live on the streets is something I could never, ever articulate how powerful it has been to me. But one thing, uh, one of the things that also weren't taught to me in Bible college was I ran into a guy and he had a disease. It's called schizophrenia. And when you have schizophrenia, oftentimes you get kind of trapped inside your own mind, in your own body and you speak to uh, faces that nobody else can see except for you. And another symptom of schizophrenia can often be uh, that you kind of eat things that you shouldn't eat, that aren't healthy for you. And so this guy discovered that there was a sale on raw pig's heads down at the uh, St. Lawrence Market and brought it to our night shift staff. It was like one in the morning. I was home in bed, sleeping hopefully, And the the people at the front desk had no idea what to do with this raw pig's head. So they took the raw pig's head and put it in our freezer. And forgot to put a note on it to tell our our kitchen staff what was going on. So the kitchen staff showed up in the morning and they freak out. There's a raw pig's head in the the freezer. And so I'm having to deal with this problem. So here I am writing this note. And this is a note that they never taught me how to write in Bible college. Which was, please don't store raw pig's heads in the freezer. So anyway... Lots of things we learn in real life. So uh, if the slide is up there, it is. I now currently work at what is called, as uh, James has said, uh, Toronto Housing and Homeless Supports. We at the Salvation Army have five shelters in downtown Toronto, three for men and two for women, about 600 beds in total. In Toronto, there are about 60 shelters, but 4,000 beds altogether, and another 500 or so people Live outside on the streets, who have no place to call home. So there's about 4,500 men, women, and children every single day of our lives who have no place to live in Toronto. Just in Toronto alone. And so, uh, for us at the Salvation Army, we're running five of those shelters, 600 beds, and every day we're trying to do our best. So for all these years, we were we were working separately from one another. And finally we've figured out that working together made more sense, that we could do more together than we can do apart. And so we finally came together and uh, under one administrative uh, umbrella called Toronto Housing Home Supports. And so then we've created a vision. So that picture is a, is a picture of all five shelters that we operate. And in that, in that Toronto Housing Home Supports, we have a motto, it's called the hand of God in the heart of the city. And we, we say that we are the hand of God in the heart of the city because for me, that's quite personal. I believe that I don't have to go to the country to find God. In fact, I hate camping, even, uh, when, I was, even when I wasn't sick, I absolutely hated camping. I, if there is a hell, I think that hell might be lying in a tent with, like a, with a mosquito buzzing around my ear and I can't find where it is. I think that might, with the smell of cat pee. I think that's what hell is gonna be like. That's a side note. <laughs> That's a side note. But anyway, I hated camping. I felt like even going north of Bloor with the air started getting thin and all that stuff. So so I don't believe I need to go to the country to experience God, that I personally at least have experienced God most powerfully in the downtown where I get to walk around and hang out. And so just incidentally, for you uh, pastors or people who might become pastors, Let's not teach our churches like sort of indirectly that you have to go to the country to find God. Sometimes, actually most times, I've never seen a bulletin in churches where there's somebody standing on top of a skyscraper praising praising God with that sort of sense that God is in the city. It's always a picture of a river or a meadow or not that there's anything wrong with that. But God really truly does do it. That's just a little side challenge to you. In Toronto Housing and Homeless Supports, we are the hand of God in the heart of the city because we do believe God dwells downtown. And we are just the hand of God in the heart of the city, meaning that we're just part of the body. We can't do all things for all people. We're the hand of God and we need to connect with the rest of the body. Our vision is home. We are all on a journey towards home. All of us. There is no us and them. Everybody in this room is on a journey towards home. There's something in each of your lives that you wish were better. Some of you would wish you were thinner. That'd probably be me. Some of you wish you were better looking. Some of you wish you had a partner in life, a, a, a husband, wife, whatever. Some of you wish you had a, a better place to live. All of us in this place There's something inside us that we wish were better. that means I think we're all in some ways homeless. We're all together in this, on our journey towards home. And so because of that, our our vision statement has been home. And there's these four letters, home. H in there is for housing. Housing, we we have adopted a thing called Housing First. It's kind of a, a system of working with folks that's kind of all the way across North America. When we work with people the first thing we figure out how to do is how to find places to live for people, housing. We now know that most people who live on the streets really truly do want housing. The problem with housing first is that there is no real housing. So again, something for you to pray about is simply how on earth can we find enough housing for the 4,500 people every single day, 30,000 people every single day in all of Canada who have no home. That's a big thing to pray about. H is for housing. The O in home is for outcomes. Uh, we only have two outcomes at Toronto Housing and Homeless Supports, trying to make it everything simple again. And the two outcomes we care about are these, getting people housed and keeping people housed. Everything we do is about getting someone housed and keeping them housed. Now, Keeping them housed is a new part of our work. We used to not care about what happens to someone when they move out. Now we do. We want to know what is happening to that person. We want to know how do we connect people to community. And I'll get to that in a minute because that's something where you guys could come in handy as well. That's outcomes. The M in home is for mission, and that's where I come in. I'm called the mission strategist. So my whole job now is to basically come alongside staff and ask the question, how does what we are doing, how does it fit into our mission statement? So I'm teaching our mission statement, I'm preaching it, I'm writing about it, I'm having coffee with people, I'm doing everything possible that I could do with the 300 staff that we have to sort of drive home that our mission is so crucial and that unites all of us, whether we're the janitor, and I used to be the janitor at places, whether I'm the janitor or the executive director or the bookkeeper or the environmental services person or the front desk worker, how does everything we do fit into that mission statement? So, uh, and I'm loving that. I'm loving that opportunity to to walk alongside staff. I'm, I'm about halfway through to becoming a certified spiritual director, whatever that means. But I get to I get to walk alongside folks and and uh, listen to uh, where their hearts are, and maybe maybe suggest a prayer, maybe suggest a Bible reading. But li- basically, it's listening, listening to people's hearts. All of us, whether even we identify as Christian or not, are on a spiritual journey towards home. And so, all of us. It's wise at times to walk alongside somebody and share what's going on in our hearts. That's what I'm doing, spiritual direction. And finally, the E in home is for excellence. Everything we do, we want to do it as excellently as we possibly can. And that's everything from programming to our buildings. And some, uh, the other year when I was running Gateway, uh, I was getting sicker. I live with multiple sclerosis, as was mentioned. I've had it for 20 years. For the last three or four is when the walking has really become brutal and I'm using a mobility scooter for much of that. Which, by the way, is very difficult. You know, just because I love Jesus, it doesn't mean life is easy. That's another tangent for you to, you probably already know that. Just because I love Jesus. And so so again, another sidebar. Sometimes we hear testimonies that make the cut. Church, I call them testimonies that make the cut. Someone stands up in front of church and say, hey, I was an alcoholic and then I met Jesus and now I'm no longer an alcoholic. Right, I find that's the testimony that makes the cut, and everybody else in their church goes, "Oh crap! I guess that means I'm not faithful enough." If that, pers- anyway, that's how I often feel. I feel like testimonies that would make most sense are people standing up and saying, "Hey, I've, I'm depressed, and I love Jesus, and that's that's the end. Yeah, the end. Now, I've I'm, I've I've got multiple sclerosis, and I struggle with depression, and I." have a hard time with life. And I love Jesus. And that's, that's my story. That's it. I'm not fixed. I'm not cured. I'm not healed. All that stuff. Anyway, I'm jumping all over the place, trying to mention excellence. When I was getting sicker with this disease, uh, one of the joys of MS is that you have to pee instantly. You don't have a lot of warning. Sometimes you just got to go pee. So when I was in the basement of our drop-in center, I had to go pee and I couldn't go fast enough to get up to the staff washroom. So I had to use the washroom that our people were using. And so I went into that washroom to pee and I realized this is the most disgusting place I've ever been. I can't believe we are actually making people use this bathroom. Like where is the dignity with that? And so when I started to think about excellence, I realized, you know, everybody deserves to take a crap with some dignity. It's not a lot to ask. And we need to pay money for that. That's it. it needs to, if it's going to cost us money, then we will spend money for that. Because we say we are excellent at all we do. Everybody deserves that kind of dignity. So that's home. We're all on a journey toward home. Next slide, please. One of the ministries I have the privilege of being a part of is called Causeway. And again, this is possibly where you might come in. We are talking about Canada 150 and the, and the question that James asked me to talk about is, how can we as the church perhaps respond? And where have we gone wrong perhaps? And uh, well, I've got a lot of church baggage. I can talk all day about where the church has gone sideways. Like arguing about the color of carpet and uh, whether or not the worship band should play or the organ should play. And splitting up over silly things like that. When people are dying on the streets, So yeah, I got some church baggage. Having said that, I'm part of the church. So when I have church baggage, I have baggage about myself. It's not like I'm pointing the fingers elsewhere. I'm I'm part of this too. One of the things we haven't done well is care about folks who are our neighbors. And this is why I chose the passage today about loving God and loving our neighbors. If we, according to Jesus, when he was asked what the two great commandments are, he says this, love love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, strength and power. The second he said is like it, meaning if you actually get the first one, the second one is just going to come automatically. If you actually love God with your whole heart, you will love your neighbor as yourself. That's just automatic. If you don't love your neighbor as yourself, you actually probably have a problem with figuring out what it means to love God. And so Causeway is one attempt at, at saying, you know what, this is, this is a way for people, students, soccer moms, the average pew dweller, to say, you know what, I don't have to quit my job and go down town and work with folks on the street. Uh, I can still do this, but I can still walk alongside folks. I can still love my neighbor as myself. You know, when I was running Gateway, I ran into a bunch of men who grew up in this little town that I grew up in. 3,500 people, for those of you who know Springdale, with seven evangelical churches in it. Men who grew up in that little town who slipped through those cracks and ended up in the shelter that I was running. Why? Because the seven evangelical churches in that little town were known for their differences as opposed to what they had in common. And we didn't really know what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. So what I do for a living and what I did in small town Newfoundland are not two separate things. People really, truly, all people just really want to be loved. And if people don't feel love, they will go somewhere else looking for love. And oftentimes people look for love in all the wrong places. I work with... Men and women in the sex trade. I work with men and women who are homeless. I work with men and women who are addicted to any number of drugs on the street. All of all of them, if there's anything that we have that everybody has in common, is looking for love. That's all, and they can't find it, so turning to other things to try and mask the pain. So, uh, Causeway. Causeway is an attempt. Causeway is a word that's often used in Newfoundland, which is kind of building a bridge between two previously disconnected bodies, right? Uh, So there's a Hamilton Causeway, I think, a big giant bridge that connects two previously disconnected bodies, if you ever wanted to go to Hamilton. That's another story. Uh, uh, And the two previously disconnected bodies that we're talking about are the church and the street. I think they're separate things oftentimes. And so... Uh, One of the things that are possible for you to consider in terms of prayer and in terms of real life are this. When someone moves out of our shelter, we, we house about 25 men or women per month into neighborhoods just like the ones you and I live in. And so, uh, and we only have a couple of support workers. We don't have enough people that work for us that could possibly provide that support. So it's, it occurred to me, why can't we, when someone moves into one of our neighborhoods, connect with two Christians who live in that neighborhood, connect that person, so that there's a community that's forming without us having to be there all the time. And so that's essentially what Causeway is. The website's there. I don't have enough time to share what it really what it's all about, but it's thecauseway.ca. If you are interested, if you live in a neighborhood and you think you've got one hour a week, that's all we're asking, one hour a week to sit with someone who might move out of our shelters into your neighborhood and just go sit in a coffee shop, a Tim Hortons or whatever it is, have a cup of coffee and build friends with someone. If that is of interest to you, please let me know after this, after this service. We will, uh, there's, there's training and all that stuff. You don't, you don't need to sort of fully commit to this today, but if, you're, if it interests you and if you want to know more about it, uh, please, uh, please let me know. Causeway, just connecting, just connecting two disconnected bodies. The church and the street are too far apart and often considered separate things when they're not. So let's go to the last slide because I know I'm almost out of time. Love is the solution to homelessness. So What does that mean? What it means is not this. I can't just walk in now to one of my drop-ins and centers and say, hey guys, hey people, I love you all, you're all loved, so now just you know, get housed and thanks for coming out. That's sadly not how it works. But if we were able to love people before they slipped through the cracks, before they ended up in a shelter, I fundamentally dis- disagree with shelters. I fundamentally disagree with the very thing that I've spent my entire life building. If we really, truly knew how to love people, truly, how to love people in Kings Point and in Springdale and in all across this country, how to love our neighbors as ourselves, it is not rocket science. We do not need four years of Bible college or three more years of seminary or 17 more years of PhD studies to figure out that loving God and loving neighbor is really what it's all about. If we are interested in loving our neighbors as ourselves, our neighbors, like our actual neighbors, the people who live next door to us, seniors who can't shovel their snow, the weird guy that comes to school that has no friends, uh, and, and somehow we make fun at that person as opposed to trying to figure out how to befriend someone. That's not rocket science, but it is revolutionary. It will change the world. It won't just change that person's life, but it'll change our lives as well. We will get to meet Jesus in really bizarre ways. And so if that interests you, even in terms of prayer, please let me know. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. If you forget everything else that anybody teaches you here at Bible College, just remember that. It will change the world. Let's pray. God, we thank you for being in this room today. We thank you for uh, letting Tyndale uh, exist and come through really hard times and come to this building, which is beautiful. This chapel room, this place, which we feel your presence in, we uh, we are thankful and we praise you. And God, give us strength to figure out what it means to love our neighbors, whatever that means. Causeway could be one of those things. It doesn't have to be that. It Could be something else. But Lord, each of us in this room call ourselves Christians. And so by default, Lord, teach us, challenge us, hurt us if it needs to be pain. Uh, whatever, Whatever it takes, Lord, teach us what it means to love our neighbors as ourselves, which sometimes needs to start with loving ourselves. And sometimes those of us who are Christians, that's the hardest place. We don't really believe that we are worthy of love. So make us worthy, teach us that you love us, that we are your beloved and help us to go forward with that knowledge and that certainty. In Jesus' name, amen.